Here is a warning to all shipping. It's round the hall. And tonight, Kenneth's guest are the Reverend Unseemly Dog Posture, conducting the mass pumas of the Women's Institute Edge Boston. <laughs> Dame Sweeney Eggblast, the Clacton Dripping Heiress. <laughs> and here's your host, Cardiff's dusky queen of song, Kenneth Hall. Thank you. That was, of course, Douglas Smith, who would like to get it straight. <laughs> but unfortunately, it has to stay in plaster for another two weeks. <laughs> Here now are the answers to last week's questions. First, the where do you find it in Scotland question. And the answers were hanging down in front of the kilt, tucked, <laughs> tucked under the arm and blown, and stuffed down the sock. Except on Burns night when it's used to cut the haggis. <laughs> Finally, the where would you find it written question, and the answers were on the base of the Great Pyramid, halfway along the Great Wall of China in whitewash, and in a tobacconist's window in the Edgware Road. <laughs> At least that's where I read it, and if you're listening, Miss Lolita, I rang and rang, but there was no answer. <laughs> so I've joined the Photographic Society of the Chalk Farm Polytechnic instead. this point, we were going to do The Three Musketeers, episode three, but we got fed up with it. <laughs> so here instead is a thrilling story of Africa. We proudly present Kenneth Horn as Lip Harvest of the River. My name is Dr. Ganimal Lip Harvest III. The other two died of embarrassment. <laughs> I was christened. I was christened James Obidah, St. John Abraham, Spike Loomis, Cyril Angus, Ali Ben Moses, Rastus Petty, Heinrich Giovanni, Fuman Roger. After my father. My mother wasn't too sure. Apparently he kept his Apparently he kept his hat on throughout their brief acquaintance. However. However, dear reader, I digress. I am a keen botanist. Yes, we've all got your number. <laughs> and zoologist. In the spring of 1883, I was in the Umpopo country looking for the great white rhino, which I'd sent up the road for the newspaper and which had never come back. <laughs> One evening, I was in the bar of Dutch Pete's waterfront dive having a sundowner when a strange figure lurched in. I crossed to him and, smiling politely, asked him if he fancied a jigger. No, thanks. I never dance with strange men. Will <laughs> I, I, I have a drink? I need one. My name is Gaylord Fafix. What I have done, no white man has done and lived. I've been up the umpopo with yellow, with yellow jack. <laughs> How is he? Not so bad, considering. Pension's <laughs> regard. I have seen things up there that would make you blanch. How's blanch? Oh, she's coming. Yes. 
Same as Yellow Jack, only whiter. Yes, I have seen the lost city of the water lumber. Water lumber. Oh, yes. The fabled lost jungle city that ruled over by a white woman known by the superstitious natives as she. Who is she? The cat's mother. <laughs> they say she's over 300 years old, but as beautiful as she was when she was 250. Well, I must meet her. Why? Well, I'm attracted to older women, you see. Will you lead me to her? It's a dangerous journey through fever-ridden swamp, through trackish jungle of mountains, across deserts, through crocodile-infested rivers. Is there no other way? Well, a 73 bath passes. <laughs> well, I haven't got any small change, and you know these conductors. They'll never take a note. Then we must go by river. We'll sail at dawn tomorrow. The next morning we set off in the African Queen, played by Douglas Smith with cocoa on his face. <laughs> he nosed his way lazily upstream. For Fitch and I relaxed in the stern. Chug, 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 fat, fat, fat. <laughs> Fat, fat, Smith. Yes, sir, it's the engine. Well, give the old boiler a kick. Yes, sir. Ah! <laughs> Thank you, sir. When you're an old boiler like me, you don't get many kicks. <laughs> Isn't that the one who played Granny in The Three Musketeers? <laughs> yeah, she gets around a bit for an old one. <laughs> Meanwhile, halfway up the Ompopo. Fut fut, chug chug. <laughs> Kafong. Smith, what, what, what was that supposed to be? I think a crocodile has fouled the propeller, sir. What shall I do? Hit it on the nose with a rolled up newspaper. <laughs> From here on, we'll have to go by foot. Follow me. <laughs> I think we should have moored the boat first. Help! Help! I can't swim! Well, tread water! I can't! The crocodile's gnawing my leg! Well, hop water, then! We scrambled ashore more dead than alive and set off on foot through the tangled undergrowth of the Umpopo country. For Fitch and I made slow progress. Well, it's not easy to walk when you've got a crocodile hanging onto your leg. I can't go on. I'm done for. Oh, come on, For Fitch. Uh, uh, oh, no, I'm fi 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 finished. <laughs> he was best double with agony. Suddenly there was a st and a st. <laughs> For a moment I thought he'd expired. But fortunately he was only transfixed by a poison dart. <laughs> Where did the dart hit you, for Fitch? Well, if I was a dart board, he'd be triple 19. <laughs> then, then suddenly from out of the bush or rather from under the bush, came the tiny naked figure of a man riding a hedgehog. 
He was 30 inches high and he brandished a small but deadly blowpipe. He galloped across the clearing, reined his hedgehog to a halt and dismounted with a sigh of relief. I have a warning for you, white man. What is it? Never ride a hedgehog with no clothes on. Who are you? I'm Sunny Zal, king of the Mpopo pygmies. Observe, tiny but perfect in every detail. <laughs> what brings you here? We are looking for the lost city of the Water Lumba and the white goddess, she. Oh, well. <laughs> but you are injured. You need a doctor. I'll summon my tribe. George, Arthur, City, Sorry. <laughs> Hundreds of tiny figures swarmed out of the undergrowth, and in a trice we were up to our knees in Umpopo. Take these white men to our village. But this man is injured, he can't walk. Don't worry, I'll give him a pygmy back. That night found us in Sconston, a rude hut, for which was raving. Fever. Your friend delirious, but which doctor will soon cure him? Where is he? At which surgery? He's coping with epidemic among pygmy tribe. German measle. Measle? You mean measle? No. Pygmy so small, only room for one. <laughs> ah, water! Water! Here you are, old chap. It's not for me, it's for the crocodile. Ah, <laughs> oh, ah, mother! Oh, thank heavens he recognizes me. <laughs> I can't. I can't feel me legs. Help me. Help him to feel his legs, will you, somebody? I'm going. I'm going. It's slipping away. It's coming back. It's going again. Oh, I wish it would make its mind up. <laughs> At that moment, the witch doctor arrived. He stood framed in the doorway, towering over three feet tall, a giant of a man for a pygmy. His ears were pierced with elephant tusks. He wore a headdress of fine ostrich plumes. And he carried a matching handbag. <laughs> From his waist dangled his curious medicaments. He spoke. <laughs> what was that? I said, and how's the patient today? Oh. Will you examine him? Well, certainly. Now, does it hurt when I do this? Well, his reflexes are all right. Uh -huh. yes. mm -hmm. now, what uh, do you diagnose? Uh, not well at all. Patient has a bad case of galloping. Galloping what? Don't know. It goes too fast. <laughs> I, uh, I suspect Betty Betty. Betty Betty, is that bad? Not Betty Betty bad, not Betty Betty good, so so. And how are you going to treat it? <laughs> As follows First, I smear myself in sacred chicken fat. Then I make cabalistic sign. Well, there's nothing cabalistic. <laughs> nothing cabalistic about that sign. Then I summon Devil Drummer. Devil Drummer! Yes, baby. <laughs> Give me a steady four and easy on the hi hat. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. One more time. Brandishing a chicken above his head. For Fitch stirred, his eyes opened, he slowly sat up, and then, as if possessed by evil spirits, he screamed. Shut up! Have a bit of consideration. I'm not well. 
we set off again in search of the lost city and a she. For days we hacked our way through the undergrowth until finally there in a valley below us lay the fabled city of Watalumba, its marble domes and gabled minarets glinting in the sunlight. I heard a movement behind us and turned to see four grinning dark faces. The leader spoke. Ah, white man, we were expecting you. Would you accompany us? Delighted. And then mercifully came oblivion. <laughs> when we came to, Fitch and I found ourselves lying on the marble floor of an enormous chamber. At the far end of the room was an ornate throne on which sat the 300-year-old white goddess played by Betty Marsden without any artificial aid. <laughs> on either side of her stood a huge Nubian. As if in answer to my thoughts, for Fitch spoke. Ah, oh, what an enormous pair of Nubians! <laughs> that which I am is, that which is not shall be. For I am that which has always been, and what I have done, I have done many, many times. <laughs> But you can call me Lil. <laughs> she, I am old. Three hundred years have I lived. But with age, there are compensations. I can get enough the pictures free on Thursday. <laughs> I am old. I am wrinkled. I am hideous. But... But what? Don't rush me, I'm thinking. <laughs> there must be something. Ah, yes, I am powerful. My whim is law. One of you shall be my lover. The other shall be thrown to the sacred shark. Which is it to be? Me or the man-eating shark? Well, don't rush me, I'm thinking. <laughs> See this pool beneath the throne? There waits. There waits the sacred shark played by Douglas Smith with teeth cut out of orange peel. My little pet is hungry. Snap, snap. Well played, Smith. Thank you, sir. I also do sheep. All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, have you decided? Well, for fetch. Well, well, the purpose. Seems there's no choice. Last one in, the sissy. Ah! Funny, they all do that. What a way to go, to perish in the awful gaping jaws of the sacred Douglas Smith. And talking of awful gaping jaws, here the sacred Fraser Hayes for to sing... Which freely translated means serenata. Ladies and gentlemen, the Fraser Hayes for... Here I stand under her window sill, 
sing to my loved one, Serenata, for me. Sing her your song, love's melody. So near, yet we're so far apart. Here I stand, till I have won her heart. Go to my loved one, Serenata. Supplement. Now, this is the section of the show which you can pull out, and if you don't like it, throw it away. <laughs> our first show business, here now interviewing a well-known personality at London Airport, is that Sunday night person, Seamus Android, whose very name is a synonym for... Deep sleep. <laughs> Come in, Seamus Android. All right. Now, uh, here I am at uh, London Airport personally, myself in person, to meet someone who I know you will, as I have. So without further ado, <laughs> here is a world-famous personality who I'm going to meet as much as you are, and who is going to meet you as much as you are, and indeed, I am. <laughs> All right. So, so here, without further ado, is the one and only, oh, he's gone. <laughs> and with that, I return you to the studio. Thank you, Seamus. I won't miss your TV show this week. What you don't see, you don't miss. Now. <laughs> now, this week, the Colour Supplement special feature is devoted to the Englishman and art. Throughout history, the English have been connoisseurs of the arts. Come in, Gregory. There's something I've just acquired, and I'd like your opinion on it. In here, look next to the dagger. Good heavens, a constable. Yes. 
genuine, do you think? Let me see. Mm. Mm. Lovely. Lovely. No doubt about it. It's a genuine constable. Absolutely lovely. Oh, thank you, sir. I do try to keep myself nice. Love of the arts is deeply embedded in the Englishman's soul, and many films have been made depicting the inner struggles and romantic agony of the painter. Here now is an excerpt from that great film of the 40s, The Moon and Sixpence, produced to fourpence this week only. <laughs> Starring Dame Celia Mole Strangler and aging juvenile Binky Huckaback. Can I come in, Charles? Yes, surely. I'm glad you've come. It's finished. Oh, Charles. Charles. I think you've captured it. It's a small masterpiece. Well, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I, I like it. Thank you, Phil. I mean, you wouldn't see anything like this hanging in the Royal Academy. <laughs> I don't want it hanging there. But, Charles, I'm not quite sure that I, I understand what you're doing. Oh. Surely it's... Surely it's simple enough. Oh. For you, Charles, for you. You're an artist. You painted it. I'm only a woman. Yeah. What does it mean? What it says... Gents, wash and brush up. <laughs> ah, the agony of the artist. And uh, here's an artist who's been responsible for more agony than almost anybody alive. Rambling Sid Rumpo. Ah, hello, me dearie. Sing Vogel Titwillow and Lacquerday for the fly beyond the termite. Yes. But now you're a great exponent of the art of folk singing. Now, what are you going to give us this week? Well, it is a taddle grofer's dance oh. sung by the villagers of Musgrove Parver, and it heralds the coming of the Oak Apple Fairy, or Sanitary Inspector, <laughs> as he is known in they parts. The taddle gropers grope around while the turf maiden merrily whirdles her splod. And they, they dance to a round delay that goes after this fashion. <clears throat> There's cord wangles in me posset bag. What shall I do, my Mario? And I can't woggle my artifacts. What shall I do, my darling? <laughs> so the Turf maiden sings back. <clears throat> Stove it with a gander hook, that's what we do, my billy-o. Then you can wobble your artifacts, as good as new, my darling. So he stoves it with a gander hook, but it don't do no good, as he's forgot to put antifreeze in. <laughs> So plaintively, he sings to her. I stoved it in with a gander hook. That's what I done, my Mario. But now I've nudged me artifacts. What shall I do, my darling? And so she tells him what to do with his artifacts. <laughs> 
and, and he does it. And, <laughs> and then they dance off, woggling and groping their tattles to the following, to the following refrain. Billy cock me Billy cock who will nadger me dander? Boggle me, loomer me, jolly boys, and posit me splee in the morning. And thank you, Rambling Sid. I can find the words to express my feelings. There in the script of Till Death Us Do Pass. <laughs> Well, now, art is subject to changes of fashion, and the current vogue is for Victoriana, old uniforms, and so on. Last week, I paid a visit to a shop near the Portobello Road, and the sign over the door read, Bona Antiques. I entered gingerly. Hello. Hello, anybody there? Hello, I'm Julian. This is my friend, Sandy. Oh, hello, Miss Oh, hello. Oh, Oh, you can't have a browse through our bric-a-brac. <laughs> you want it, we've got it. <laughs> yeah. Don't see it, just ask for it. Yeah. Do you have anything in mind, Mr. Horn? Oh, I see your eye in that piece in the corner. It's beautiful, isn't it, Jules? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful it is. Thing of beauty, that is. It's a wangy rocker. <laughs> well, I don't rock my own wangies. I have a little woman around the corner who does it for me. Oh, bold. <laughs> How old do they get the cheeky they are? Oh! Jewel, change the subject. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've got it. What about here? Uniforms. Oh, yes. Uniforms. Very in, very sheesh. Mm, very sheesh. Uniforms. Very. I mean, they're, they're sheesh. 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 <laughs> Fantabulous. Uniforms are in. They're the utmost. Yes, utmost. yes. I've heard that wearing old uniforms is the latest craze. Mm, and we've got the craziest utmost. Mm. Good heavens. Good heavens. Soldiers' uniforms, sailors' uniforms. Look, how do you fancy yourself as a gay hussar? Oh, we take a lovely hussar. Lovely hussar. With great bully and epaulets. Yes. And all the frogging down his lallies. Oh. <laughs> um, all of this, look, what about a fireman's uniform? Mm. Very butch. Very butch. Yes. Mm. Comes complete with 14 yards of hose button, a dinky little chopper. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure it is, but, Lovely. you know, I, I somehow I can't see myself wearing that to the Junior Carlton Club. Unless, of course, it was on fire. No, yeah, perhaps you've got a point, perhaps you've got a point. How about a naval uniform? Naval uniform? Well, do you think it's me? Oh, do you think it's him, Jules? It is him. It's him, isn't it? Him, yes. Yes. Naval uniform just does something for you. Yeah, just slip it on. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well. Oh, oh, oh. Fantabulous. Oh, well, I'll take it then. In fact, I'll wear it now. Oh, lovely. Ta-ta, then we'll send you the account. Yeah, there he goes. Doesn't he look an absolutely perfect example of a... Oh, what is the phrase, Jewel? Great steaming nip. Oh, very And in my second-hand naval uniform, I got many admiring glances, several compliments. I also got arrested for impersonating a Wren officer. <laughs> well, how was I to know? I was in the RAF. <laughs> Cheerio. See you next week.
That was Round the Horn, starring Kenneth Horn, with Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marsden, and Bill Pertwee. On the musical side, you heard the Fraser Hayes Four and Edwin Braden on the Hornblowers. The script was written by Barry Talk and Marty Feldman, and the show is produced by John Simmons. <laughs>